Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash thedirectorscut. This episode brings you a behind-the-scenes look at Fences, directed by Denzel Washington. The film is an adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize-winning play written by August Wilson. Both Mr. Washington and Viola Davis star in the film, reprising their Tony Award-winning roles from the 2010 Broadway revival. In the film, Mr. Washington portrays a former baseball player working as a trash collector in 1950s Pittsburgh struggling to keep his home and come to terms with his own shortcomings when events, some of his own making, threatened to tear his family apart. In addition to Fences, Mr. Washington's directorial credits include the feature films The Great Debaters and Antoine Fisher. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theatre in New York, Mr. Washington discussed the challenges of making Fences with director Bennett Miller. Their conversation touched on the experience of shooting the film in Pittsburgh's Hill District, the historically African-American neighborhood where August Wilson grew up and which served as the setting for many of his plays, including Fences, as well as Mr. Washington's belief that there is no such thing as film acting, and his taking Steven Spielberg's advice to steal from the best directors, like all the greats do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. Some of them liked it. <laughs> Can we get serious again for a moment, or not? What, what, why did you make this film? Why, how do you relate to it? Seven years ago, Scott Rudin called me and said, uh, I have the original screenplay of Fences. You want to star in it, act in it, direct it? What do you want to do? I said, uh, well, I, I'll read it. <laughs> Let's start there. So I read it, and I realized that I hadn't read the play. So uh, I saw James Earl Jones and, and, and Courtney Vance and the great Mary Alice back in the 80s. Uh, when I read the play, it said Troy Maxson, age 53. And I was 55. But I was thinking, I thought when he asked me that I was too young, because I was thinking back to when I saw it in the 80s. But when I read it, I said, I better hurry up or I'll be too old. <laughs> so uh, here we are. But I mean, it's such a major work, this play. It's a major, major work. And I can't imagine even you would have the audacity to just take it on because it's, it's there. There must be something deeper that's speaking to you. Well, I didn't have the, let's see, audacity starts with an A. <laughs> the, the one that starts with a B. I didn't have the B to, to, to attempt to- Bravado. Even, yes, bravado. <laughs> that's right, to, to, to attempt to, you know, to, to, to think about approaching this material in, in, uh, when he asked me. There was even more pressure after having done the play because I realized what a masterpiece it, it is. 
so but at I guess at the same time I didn't know who else I couldn't think of one other person I didn't say well so and so should do it you know or I just went and did what most actors do is I went and hid for a few <laughs> few years and maybe it'll go away but uh, Scott was uh, fortunately relentless Scott Rudin All right. okay should I relent? I won't keep prying on this. I just, I, I feel like it's such a personal investment to take on something like this. Was there a line? Was there a moment? Is it Troy? Was there something in it that linked to you? Or is it just some a piece of work that you wanted to honor? From well, I mean, for, for what's here now, it was just such a great ride. You know, the, 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 the run we had on Broadway, the brilliant actors, the brilliant uh, uh, Viola Davis and all, and everyone, Stephen Henderson and and so it was it, 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 like I said it was just such a great ride and and probably needed the five years mm -hmm. to mature as a human being as a director as an actor all of it you know, I, I probably wasn't ready five or six years ago yeah um, can you say a little bit more about the cast. Uh, and how your relationship changed from the stage to then becoming their director. How was it working with Viola? I, you know, I've always been a leader. When I was 13, they made me a counselor in a sleepaway camp. And my campers were 11. <laughs> Not because I was that good, it's just because I had been to the camp so much, I knew it so well the camp uh, upstate New York, uh, Fishkill, New York. And the, the, the counselor quit, so I, I, I became the, the counselor. Um, what was the question? <laughs> you went from cast member to director. Right. Uh, I'm asking about how, how is that working with it? Working well, with I, it? Just, I asked them to trust me. And I'm smart enough to know I don't, have to know everything, you know. I've had a lot of experience. I've worked with some of the best directors in the world, and something's got to stick, you know. I remember talking to Steven Spielberg, who I haven't worked with. He said, "Just steal from everybody, Denzel. Steal from the best." He said, "We all see." He said, "You look at Kurosawa movies and look at my movies." Said, he said, "We all steal." That's right. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah, that's right. This is the director's guy. That's right. I forgot. He says we all steal. Just make sure you steal from somebody good. Who, who did that's you? What I did. So who did you steal from? Who didn't I steal right. from? Okay. It. You know, it's my home. My homage to. I don't know. I, I can't say. Oh, this shot was because. You know, sometimes you're affected by something you don't even realize. That you're. You're. Um. What, what could the film do that the, other than reach different audiences, what could the film do that the play could not do? I didn't, I didn't, I haven't thought about that. You know, I wasn't gonna try to put that kind of pressure on August or the film or myself. We'll see. You know, people say, well, what do you want people to get from it? I say, well, it depends upon what they bring to it. So it's not for me to say what, how it should have, you know. I just wanted to, not take care of August, but you know, I was in charge of his words. Yeah, 
And I said, I just want to take care of him and, you know, make sure we're true to it. If there's 25,000 words in the screenplay, 24,960 of them are August Wilson's. There's, yeah, that's right. He, the, he didn't write, uh, the commissioner will see you now. <laughs> that was mine. Thank you very much. And if there are any Writers Guild members out there, I want you to know, no. <laughs> but literally, that, that, that was it. We, I added a couple of lines. There was nothing to, to there was a process of trying to figure out where scenes could take place mm -hmm. and why. I didn't want to just, I hate that word, open it up. I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. So we're in the backyard because we needed to present it like we're in the front, like where we are now, because we're presenting it to you. Well, now we can go behind the curtain, or we can go upstairs. The camera was going to follow us wherever we went. So we, we used the house. You know, we, certain scenes uh, start in the back and go all the way through to the front of the house. Now you have the luxury or the interesting idea of other people watching. You have embarrassment mm -hmm. is now a part of the as it relates to Troy anyway. Mm -hmm. His brother comes up, he's making noise, singing, but we're now in front of the house and everybody can see it. So what does that, that now informs when he goes back in the house and his frustration and his knocking the, the, the things over on the stove and his de de uh, decision to go to the bar, which leads to the girl again. So now that's connected to Gabe in a way that it wasn't as easily connectable. And as he walks out, now we stay with her. We now get to see how people feel when they're alone. In the play, it's the end, lights go down, next scene. Now he walks out and we stay with Rose. And how does that affect her? And she's alone. And then she doesn't realize, like the director, and she doesn't realize that, uh, Gay, uh, that Corey's watching her. You know, and that he senses something's wrong with his mother. So those are the kinds of things we could mine that we could explore that, that you couldn't in the play. Sometimes when the play becomes a film, something fundamental changes about the presentational style or the theatricality of the thing. This play has such music in the words and to break that up, I, th I think, some, yeah, I just said, hey, you know, we're just closer now. Yeah. Now, we're talking like this because we have mics. Mm -hmm. If it was 60 rows back, we'd have to talk a different way, but still feel like we're being conversational. Mm -hmm. So that affects your performance. Yeah. But like I told the actors, there's no such thing as film acting. Mm -hmm. Don't change a thing. Mm -hmm. Trust me, I've done a bit of both. Mm -hmm. So just trust me and there's no, don't, think, oh, I gotta be smaller. That's a huge mistake actors make. There's no such thing as film acting. Mm -hmm. act, act, truth is truth. The one thing that's for sure, the camera will catch you lying. You know, it, it's, it's recording what's there, big. So, tell the truth. Um, I'm going to open it up to a few sure. questions. I'm sure there's eagerness out there. First hand, go ahead, I saw you right there. Yeah, you yeah. were first. Yeah, what are those longest? What are the long, the long uh, mags? Do you get 11 minutes or 14? Uh, well, were you shooting 24, 30? Yeah, 30, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're shooting 24, then, you can get. Then you get 10 minutes. 10. Really. 
Yeah, I don't but think are any. Are you shooting film or are you? We shooting shot film. film. No, so we shot film. You're, get, you're getting ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah, we shot film and 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 had to be film. I'm not going to digital folk, but it's 19. I, I've made three movies, directed three movies. I shot them all on film, and I just like film. Film is emotional. Film is alive. Film has mistakes. I don't want. I don't know what perfection is, and I don't want. I, I know I don't want it. <laughs> well, this character is about is far from. Right. This, is, this is the most complex, messy, difficult. How the, how do you manage that and manage the complex, difficult, messy business of directing? Well, again, we we had I had the luxury, and we had the luxury, and I as a director had the luxury of 114 performances, and two whatever it was, three months of rehearsals and 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 and, and previews and all of that. So and we you know won all the awards you could win on on Broadway, and so we knew we had some. A little more pressure on me to, to not screw it up. He already won the Pulitzer Prize, so he didn't screw it up, you know. So it was really as much a matter of of simplicity. And what was really good, uh, uh, Charlotta Bruce Christensen, uh, Danish cinematographer. We started out together very early and talked extensively. And she operates as well. And she said, you know, I, I, I'm like, you sure you want to operate? She says, it's actually better. And I said, why? She says, well, you and I have this conversation eight months out and six and five months out. And then on the day, I got to now try to communicate that to a camera operator who may or may not care. I was like, oh, OK. So it made sense. Yeah. Everything we talked about, she could now take right to the wheels or the whatever. That's, to me, that's the, that's the hardest quality to find in a cinematographer is to find somebody who actually knows what they're looking at, mm. you know, that this. Yeah, and, and she was, she took, you know, we take chances, we try, I mean, try it. It's only film, I ain't paying for it. <laughs> take two, you know. We try it, but, but we didn't want the, hey, look at me, you know. I, I, I just watched a lot of films and old films and There Will Be Blood was one I watched a lot mm -hmm. and he stayed away and sometimes you expect them to move and, and they don't you know just a lot of you just, I just steal I just do what Steven said I just steal from everybody and what was the question? <laughs> Pittsburgh actors, Pitts set where you know the, the neighborhood. We specifically we shot in the Hill District. We shot up on the hill where they lived, where this you know the neighbors, the neighborhood, and the neighbors. Everybody became a part of the you know people would put out chairs like they were watching television. <laughs> you know, they was watching a movie, and I go see go sit on somebody's porch and talk with them. They could tell you stories, and we had a, a gentleman, Mr. Greenlee, who lived behind us, who couldn't hear well. And, you know, he'd always come out right in the middle of a shot. How you doing? I said, well, we're, we're shooting, Mr. Greenlee. Huh? We're, we're shooting. You want some coffee? He'd always ask. You want coffee? No, we're fine. Huh? <laughs> you know, that was a part of it. That was all a part of it. That was, it's a, it's a rich, unique part of the country. You know, Pittsburgh, way right there before you get to Ohio and, it's like so different. I mean, I grew up here, and it's so different than New York, or it's not 
it's its own world. And, and it's an interesting city now because it used to be the king of the industrial revolution, you know, steel. And now the biggest thing there are Google and uh, Uber technologies. So there's an interesting dynamic going on with the city. That's another conversation, but yes, sir. Yes, sir. To direct? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna act. I gotta go uh, pay the bills. <laughs> um, Dan Gilroy, who's a wonderful writer and director, directed and wrote a film called Nightcrawler and wrote other films. So he's written this screenplay called Inner City. And the, the way I describe it, my character is Cornell West with Asperger's. <laughs> That's all I need to say, right? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. I'll get you next, sweetheart. Oh. Performance-wise, you know, I had the actors that we obviously used in the play. Sometimes, or it, 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 I wasn't even acting then. I, I remember when we got to Rose's, uh, Viola's big speeches in the end, she was working through something. So we kind of, it wasn't difficult, you know, but I mean, she was going through whatever she was going through and I could just work with her and we'd get there and we'd keep, keep you know, keep shooting. I didn't have time to be challenged. It was, it was no time, it was too busy. I had no time, to, there was no, which was probably a blessing in disguise, there was no time to worry or, you know, hit the ground, I, you know. I didn't go to the trailer, I went to the set. You know, as soon as I got there, and first one to get there, last one to leave, so just, and I love it. Shoot, it was fun. Shoot. <laughs> That's a lie. No, yeah, it was, it was, it was. It was hard, but it was fun. And it was rewarding, and it is rewarding. Uh, yes. It, yeah, you could say that. I mean, it, it, for the actors, and, and technically, we were all challenged. Charlotta was challenged, just lighting, you know, but just something about it pressing in on us was important. And watching a lot of movies like I did, like Virginia Woolf and all, you know, I could always go, wait, that camera is off the set. I'm like, where's that camera? You know, and I could see, it, that's, it became, that's all I could see. So I said, I don't want to get in the habit of flying walls. I want to force us to figure it out within these walls. Because I'm like, where's, how is it, how can we be there? We'll start being places we shouldn't be, and it'll, it'll add up to something that smells false without, you know, the audience, sometimes you don't know why you don't like something, something bothers you. And it could be little untruths that add up to, some, to an unpleasurable uh, experience. I heard a rumor that rain pushed you in the house too. Yeah, we're gonna chase, you know, keep shooting. You know, yeah, we got pushed in, went ran back out, come back in, go, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I have a nine picture deal with HBO. So, I mean, that and a dollar fifty will get you on, or two fifty. What does it cost to get on the subway? <laughs> yeah, that and two fifty will get you on the subway. 275, yeah, see what I'm saying? It's already, we're already over budget. <laughs> so I'm taking it slow. Ruben Sant Santiago Hudson has adapted the first, he adapted Ma Rainey for me. So I have that and 
eight, you know, I'm one at a time. Because HBO's like, well, when are we going to? I say, I'm on fences right now. You know, let me get that, I, you know, one at a time. So it's hard enough letting this one go. I didn't hear you. What did you say? Did we shoot? Uh, how many days, Todd? Todd Black produced. He's made a couple of movies and ran. No, you never ran the studio. Everything short of that. And he said, no. But uh, Todd and, and Scott Rudin produced the, uh, the film. 38. 39? 38. 39. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, I mean, every scene that's in the play and in the screenplay is in the movie. We didn't cut any. Oh, I'll tell you one that got, interestingly enough, taken out. Not interestingly enough. In the six-month sequence, while we were at the bar, I shot a little bit of me with a girl who may have been Alberta. I put that in and didn't bar the men. Women didn't like it. They said, I didn't want to see her. They said, they didn't want to see her. But even, <laughs> sorry, fellas, you deal with it when you go home tonight. But more than that, someone said to me, oh, I didn't know that was Alberta. I thought that might have been another woman. And I said, oh, no, I got to cut that. Because he says to Bono, you know me, I wasn't out there looking for nothing. So if he says that and we see him chasing after multiple women, then he's a liar. It's about a guy who's a liar. And it's not a story about a guy who's a liar. And in the play, you never see another woman. So it was very tricky to, to even hint at another woman. So I kept it to a minimum. I think that's a lovely note to end it on. Oh, OK. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. We'll have a lot more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.